The night was clear and the moon was yellow and the leaves came tumbling down. Hopefully this will be a quick, quick one. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm thinking like half an hour at most. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got my beer. I got my phone plugged in. Ready to go. Nice. Uh, we have an announcement. Guys, we have an announcement. Uh, welcome to the Valiant 33 podcast. I'm Stu. This is Mike. <laughs> that, that's Mike. Uh, we've been gone for a bit. Yes, I am Mike. <laughs> we've been gone for a little bit because, frankly, we realized you really just wanted sweet, sweet RNY SC info. You didn't really care about us or uh, how we feel about anything. Things. Yeah, <laughs> we did. We did try some filler episodes and the. Uh, um... They're they're not too popular. Yeah, I've realized nobody nobody really cares about our opinions. They just want to hear that sweet sweet news. Exactly. So uh, we're going to talk about the the latest announcement. We're also going to give some info on the league. Oh wait, Mike, you're giving me the X sign. Are we not Big old X mention- sign. <laughs> Are we not supposed to mention the Canadian Premier League right now? <laughs> yeah. No. Don't, don't, yeah, no. <laughs> okay, you'll edit that out. It will be okay. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, that's not even a possibility, to be honest with you. I would love it, personally, but there's no way that's happening. The uproar that would happen north of the border would be insane. They do not want us anywhere near their league. Yeah, we've mentioned it a couple of times, somewhat in passing, somewhat in, uh, hey, this would be great, because we're all so close, and... The definitive answer is no, fuck you. Well, that's been... I, I love trolling the Canadian Premier League Reddit by saying that the Rhinos are the new expansion team that's rumored. And I've been doing this for a while. And that's how I know that they're not cool with it. Because I'll bring up things like all our sports, the NBA, uh, NHL. Like We have cross-border teams. Isn't it time to return the favor? Like Just mm-hmm. let one American team in. And then that's when, you know, the flannel pride comes out. <laughs> Move your mic slightly away. Oh, am I too loud? Just a little. Just a little feedback. <laughs> well, um, if, you can, if you haven't learned already, I'm a very loud person. And it gets yes. even louder in person, like in real life. And, and what's great is, uh, and this is just going to go in the podcast, we, uh, we do talk before the podcast starts. And then you get like 20 <laughs> decibels louder right at the start. Well, excitement that, to get this information out. 
That's how I make up for not really knowing what I'm talking about, is I just shout it at you so you believe me. The announcement is Dr. Lee Tucker is the uh, the new sporting director. We, we kind of knew, knew about it. It's long been rumored. He's actually been in some press releases. And it was even touched on in a front row soccer article in June when the whole Vardy announcement that you may have heard of came out. But and what's if, amazing, what's amazing about that article is that they didn't even have to pay him to write it. So, and just as an aside, you may have seen in the report that he's referred to as Dr. Lee Tucker. Um, I highly doubt he's one of those people who forces you to call him doctor. But if you do Google Lee Tucker, it brings up a ton of people, including a very similarly aged footballer and also some people that you wouldn't really want to be associated with. Oh, he's got a little bit of a checkered past. Here's what I the other one? <laughs> what was that? You have a girl over there, Stu? That was Siri trying to get me in trouble. <laughs> you better um, yeah, you better clear that up, because if your wife listens to this podcast and she hears a female voice over there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he doesn't have a checkered past. There's some people with the same name. Um, yeah, that's what I meant. I want to clear that up. It, yeah. <laughs> the other Lee Tucker has a checkered past. And not the other Lee Tucker, the footballer, the criminal one. Yeah, when I when I, I've talked with him, he never, he's not one of those people where he refers to himself as as Doctor Lee Tucker or corrects you on it. He just introduces himself as Lee, and that's usually when people are actually like knowledgeable in something enough to get a doctorate. They usually don't correct you on that stuff. It's the people who have like the bullshit doctorates are correcting you all the time or if you just have a bad attitude. But um, yeah, when I found out he was a doctor, that was interesting. Uh, I wasn't really sure what he was a doctor in. Yeah, it's it's sports development. It's more like a professional doctorate. Previously, he's um, he's been a, a teacher, so it allowed I went to school there and there's a lot of PhDs there who just don't really care. They have doctor in their title because they need it. They need that to teach in a master's program, but it really just looked like it's a hybrid degree. It's not really all research based. It's kind of just, Hey, you already have a mastery of a subject, certain academic requirements. You'll get your doctorate and and you can teach. I call him a doc behind his back though. That's how I refer to him. So uh, let's go over his background a bit. So he, he was a footballer for a bit. He was a trainee at Middlesbrough, which is trainee was basically what young players were called before teams had formal academies. He made a few substitute appearances for Darlington FC. He played in Singapore for a year before going back to Middlesbrough as an academy coach. I'd be curious to talk to him about the Singapore days because... <laughs> I've heard a lot of stuff about the Singaporean league during that time. Like I know I'm reading this one book about match fixing and I know like the Singaporean league was decimated by match fixing and I'm not implying that he was involved in that, but I, I'm <laughs> curious to know like if he has any stories about that because like the Singaporean mob was involved obviously oh, and like good. a lot of, a lot of players got like killed and stuff like that. So that that's uh i'm probably gonna have to get him drunk to talk about that though yeah yeah that's uh that might be why he he, he was there for a year and then it's like nope this is not worth it <laughs> crack open all the secrets yeah so uh so similar to mark polisic the former reiner's assistant coach 
He was the academy coach at Middlesbrough from 95 to 02 with the U11 to U15 teams. This is a bit more impressive than Pulisic, who coached the U10s at Byron. Or, sorry, at Dortmund. Is he related to uh, the big Pulisic, Christian? Yeah, he's his dad, Mark Pulisic. Oh, okay, so he's very related. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I should have guessed. It's not really a common last name. Yeah, not not really. <laughs> um, so he's been involved with the V9 Academy from the start, from 2016. He was still working as a professor at the time. And then kind of to show how long the Rhinos coming back has been a reality, he did quit his job as a teacher in September 2020. So that was middle of COVID. They were pretty. Sure, it was obvious at that point they weren't going to be playing in 21. One of the one of the reasons I think there probably was a delay in doing this announcement. I know there's been a lot of delays on a lot of announcements. Is that it seemed to be based on Lee getting a visa to work here, and that just happened a couple of weeks ago. The first job he's been tasked with is getting a head coach and also the rest of the staff. Oh, buddy, I got some theories on that. Yeah. If it, we're on the subject of head coach and staff, uh, like I have some ideas on who it might be. And that's just based off of Jamie Vardy's involved and they're doing all this stuff. So I'm of the assumption that the manager will be somebody of equal to or slightly below the status of Jamie Vardy. I can't see them doing all this and having all these plans, which we've talked about in other podcasts, but what they're trying to do with this club and just have somebody come in that we've never heard of before. And even just narrow, narrowing, narrowing it down. Uh, yeah, I can't say that word. Even just like cutting out, okay, the no-name managers are, are off the table. It's still a huge field to pick from. And then you got to go down, like, okay, who in their career is ready, not ready, but would want to take this project on? You, I would have to believe it wouldn't be a young manager because they still have a lot of career left. It might be somebody a little bit older who says, eh, fuck it, I'll go retire in America and, and do this for a couple years before I'm done. But then you could also, go, on the flip side, you could, it could be somebody young who's run into trouble uh, and had a couple failed stints anywhere and needs to rehab his own career. And that's kind of what this RNYFC is, is, is people who need a shot or people who failed somewhere and need to to rehab their career so it could be somebody young too and basically what i've just said is it could be anybody which doesn't help it it could be someone who's got the right certifications to be a coach so not you or me it could be someone who's hopefully alive and so roy Roy hodgson is out then yeah um, he's been dead he's... for he's been dead for ten years. They weekend at Bernie him at every yeah. appointment he makes. It's like the uh, the emperor in uh, episode nine. You're like, wait, I thought you died. It's someone who's likely out of a job right now. If they're bringing in some a big name, I don't think they're going to bring someone in from a championship team or EFL championship team, for example, who has a job. It'd be someone who needs to eat right now, basically. There's a lot of talk and there's a lot of excitement about the Netflix special, for example. Look at the uh, All or Nothing with Jose Marino and how 
people's thought process of him changed a lot just based off of that, just seeing him be personable and not be the jackass that he is. Maybe that also shows some of the ambition that the club has of we don't want to be a D2 or D3 team forever. Maybe we want to be a D1 team. Well, I'll tell you what, if uh, Jose keeps going how he's going now, he'll be available pretty soon. But <laughs> I'm I'm hoping that it's not just the, the motivation to come here isn't just image washing, where it's someone who wants to basically use that Netflix special to increases perception for another job if it's somebody who's a big name i wouldn't mind if he did that come on ahead and use us i guess mm-hmm. a dirty girl <laughs> but yeah. you know what i mean like i want somebody to believe in what we're doing or what they're doing look at me using we already yeah but i just want i and i would like them to stay for a while i don't want it to be like one like two or three years and, and off. I know Frank Lampard's turning down jobs left and right over there. So I'll just leave it at that as far as, you know. Stealing my thunder. <laughs> All you got to do, Stu, is just hack into his personal emails and we can know. I know you know how to do that. What do we think his email I- account is? Or do we not want to go down this path because if he is the actual one... And then we try and get an interview, and he's like, no, that isn't my email account. <laughs> and I'm not even going to uh, say what's in my mind right now. Dude, if we're, if we're even close to right, we're going to be in trouble. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yep. The safe bet is somebody who's older. I'm not ruling out somebody who's younger for the reasons I literally just said. But the safe bet would be somebody on the, the downturn of their managerial <laughs> career. I, I I know I we joked about him being dead, but <laughs> why did I let's take take, take that out? I, I, I Roy, if you're listening, we apologize. <laughs> We're happy to have you here. I, I I I wouldn't be surprised if it was Roy. So he he retired. Everyone was being super nice about it, but he did say, "Hey, this isn't my last thing." Coming to the U.S., he could come in. He could come here in March, have a nice summer leave in hopefully mid-November, maybe or maybe earlier October, and have have nice summer holidays and no one knows who he is here. So that is a big thing that a lot of sports people do enjoy who are from sports that classically may not be well known here is you can come to the US, you're not famous. You can become anonymous again, which you can't do the rest of Europe. Yeah, you can come here and you can uh, in the winter, you can move down to Florida and you can haggle over the price of uh, bananas at Publix and nobody knows who he is. Just like a proper old person. (laughs) So if if we're wrong and it is somebody we've never heard of and it's not a big name at all, we're going to sound like idiots right now. And I'm sure a lot of people think that we're dumb for thinking this way. But what I would say to that is why not? Why why can't we have somebody like that here? I, I don't have an answer. It's well, I mean, I wasn't asking you. But I'm, it's, oh, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this doesn't it doesn't feel like something that Vardy would get involved with. Put his name out there as big as he has, because there's no real reason 
he could be a shadow investor if he wanted to. He he isn't. He he made it. He made that clear. He made it clear this isn't a one year project for him. And if you're going to also try and bring in a lot of players from Europe into a system that they may not know, and having to bring people across an ocean, having a big managerial name there definitely helps. Yeah, and I think it would also soften the blow of because let's be honest, the first couple years. It's not going to be at a really nice stadium with state-of-the-art anything. I mean, with with they've said that they're playing at Empire, and we know what that looks like now. They could, and I know, like I for work, I drive by it all the time. You work right over there too. We both know nothing's been done to it yet. So that leads me to believe that if they're playing there, whatever they're going to do is going to be quick. And it's not going to be anything super fancy. So having big names that people can latch on to will kind of cover that up a little bit and give them more breathing room to accomplish what they really want to do, which is find a permanent home that is all those things, state-of-the-art, modern, um, and a place that people want to go. Yeah, they've they've said for years they want to make... a. They want to make the stadium a destination, and that's been the constant complaint of the stadium, the old location, even though there was places that just people don't want to go there. But there'll be a feeling out period with the stadium, with the fans, with everything. Empire makes sense because you put some seats there, you get some food trucks, put some toilets. It's it's fine. It, It works. You don't need anything super fancy. Then they can do all the other stuff that they were that they've been talking about. To bring it back to Lee a little bit, you were, I think you had a call a little bit ago with some of the community initiatives. Well, originally I sent an email to Dave Dworkin with some ideas and like ideals I had for this organization right after the rebrand, and Dave forwarded forwarded that email to uh, to the doc. And he reached out to me for a Zoom call. So based on what we know about him and also what his official role in the club is, he handles a lot of the community building aspects. And the technical staff aspect of it is also in his purview, but it kind of takes a back seat. His main bread and butter is the community stuff. And it was a very encouraging start to what I hope will be a series of conversations, and not just with me or us and our people but you know with a lot more without giving up too much detail on what we talked about uh, i think he's he's the right person for the job of getting uh, the rhinos to be a representative of what i you and a lot of soccer fans feel about this sport in general which is it can be a working class sport here like it is around the rest of the world For whatever reason, in America, it has the trappings of a rich white man's game. And the pay-to-play system doesn't help that um, optics. Working class as a term is fuzzy because in America, it always finds a way to disintegrate into a racial debate. Um, You can see a divide in Rochester alone based on the west side, east side conversation, which is... The west side is poorer and trashier, in quotes, 
and the east side is richer and nicer, also in quotes. And then both those sides say that the city itself is dangerous, which is just code for that there's a lot of brown people living there. Um, the east side of town wouldn't cross the river to go to the old stadium because they clutch pearls whenever a homeless person asks for spare change. The west siders wouldn't go because they just follow the east side like sheep. And the people living downtown wouldn't go because the stadium was essentially a white enclave, smack middle of a predominantly black and brown area. I mean, obviously there's exceptions to this, but that's the con that's the general consensus consensus since I've been living here my entire life. It's a three-body problem that was really reflected in the downtown stadium issue, which is still considered, in my opinion, and pretty much everybody, is the main contributing factor to the downfall of the Rhinos into the hiatus. It wasn't that we didn't get MLS. Hiatus, hiatus happened, you know, 15 years after that fact. I mean, the reputation of this even crossed the pond. I mean, I was listening to a podcast uh, right after the Vardy announcement, and it was in England. It was an English podcast, and they mentioned that the stadium, the old stadium, was located in a crack den neighborhood. I mean, if people thousands of miles away know that, uh, what do you think people in Rochester think? As this, uh, I guess, as this club grows in credibility, it has more responsibility to use that weight to enrich everyone here. And I realize now that that just sounds like literally every other soccer team that exists. But for whatever it's worth, and I'll admit maybe, Stu, me and you are too close to it, but I believe that he has the capabilities to do it in a way that isn't uh, swooping in and white-knighting everybody. I mean, it's a massive task that no other team in any sport, let alone soccer, has been able to do in Rochester. So uh, getting community engagement on this is a necessity, in my opinion. And that's to accomplish doing real things, not just using different color hand emojis on Twitter and saying, look how inclusive we are. One of the things partially that I want to do with this podcast, but also that I think the team can do is, is really work with community. And I think that's a real big step to become successful. That'll overcome a lot of the issues that the team had in the late 2000s and the entire 2010 decade. Soccer is a relatively easy sport to learn. It's fast paced and there's always something going on. As you said, it's amazing how we've turned a sport where 22 players basically need a pair of cleats. Two of them need Mickey Mouse gloves and a $20 ball. It's super, and now it's, somehow become a super expensive sport, which costs thousands of dollars a year to compete in. Um, I'm hoping that by some of their unannounced initiatives to get lower income people to games, do some of the other aspects of that, it can be a catalyst to really hopefully resolve some of the racial divides in this area. It's, it's a lot easier for people to say, oh, that's a trash area, or oh, that's the worst area of town, when you only hear about it on the news, and the news only reports on issues from that area. The news isn't going to report on petty crimes that happen at 12 Corners in Brighton. They're going to report on, oh, 20 cops showed up to a petty crime right next to the stadium. Listen, Samantha ordered a latte half and half, and they gave her a no-calf. That is terrible. Well, that's the crime that goes on in 12 it, Corners. No, that's, I, I, Actually, I, I, I shouldn't in... say that because now I'm part of the fucking problem. So, uh, I actually, By making I, that joke. 
I actually grew up in Brighton and we had a date where basically the middle school was suspended because someone pushed someone through a, 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 a the Dunkin' glass Donuts window? door. Yeah, glass <laughs> or something. Hell yeah. Um, Brighton stand up. <laughs> and it was definitely not on the news, I can assure you that. Um, well, that's that. That's more of a a news problem, not just here, but just like an American violence thirst, where the the news a lot of times just feeds the narrative that everybody wants to hear, which is areas where black and brown people live are dangerous and violent, and neighborhoods where white people live, nothing like that ever happens unless you're white trash and you live in a trailer park, and unless or you're associated if, with brown and black people. Right. The news just feeds that constantly. And it, it's honestly, it's nothing that soccer can solve. It's a, it's bigger than that. So that's why I think by doing non soccer things through the soccer team will be beneficial. It doesn't always need to end with. So come on out to the game. Like you could still do good things just because of the powerful position that you have. Yeah, for lack of a better term, the marketing clout that they have. Right. I, I would say that if they're successful in doing these community events, getting people from the less economically successful areas of town to games, one of the big area, one of the big issues that Rochester has is just the segregation that just exists because of how people, where people live. Having events where people see and interact with people who don't look exactly like them and suddenly find out that, oh, it's not as scary as I thought. Oh, they're just like me because everyone is basically the same. Hopefully this team can be seen as a uniter in that way. I wouldn't even go as far as saying, yes, we're all the same. At a certain level, yeah, we are all the same. But it's about acknowledging the differences that do exist without taking advantage of it in a way that's pandering, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, like it, it could be as simple as just saying, like, listen, yeah, yes, culturally, we may be different, but we're mindful of that, and we're offering things that show that we're thinking that way. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I mean. It's culturally, there are there are big differences between different communities. and. Let's celebrate that. Let, let's bring that into the environment so that people who may not be involved with different communities can, can, see, the, can see the benefits and, see, and get a better understanding. Um, to go on a little rant, I think one of, the, one of the big issues we have in the last decade or so, or probably more than that, is everyone really likes to talk, but no one really likes to listen. I don't know if the soccer team and it, it is the answer to that, but I think it can be... A, it can fulfill or f- fill on that gap. And hopefully one of the other aspects we talked about a little bit earlier was we, we know the teams associated with Empire United. I, I looked up what the cost of a year at the Academy is. So if you're Rush Henrietta, if you're just playing local soccer, it's 80 bucks for the year. If you want to do travel soccer, that's about a thousand dollars. That's a massive Massive increase. Empire United for the U13 
is 3,200 to 3,600. And for the U10 is 2,100 to 2,300. It gets a little bit closer to 1,000 for the U8s, but still, that's that's an insane number for... I'm sure they're doing great things, but a lot of it just comes down to babysitting and a way for your seven-year-old child to run around in a structured environment. Hopefully the team can get involved with that a little bit and help some of those underserved areas in town with scholarships or something along those lines. Well, at, at the end of the day, all anybody wants is just to feel welcomed. And however that happens, I, I don't care. If you can get to that point, that's all anybody wants on a basic human level is and like I've I've mentioned before, like with how the stadium was before downtown, it felt like a white enclave in the middle of 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 the city, basically, where like it was just this own. It was like a citadel, basically, where people would come in for a couple hours and then leave. And the area didn't really benefit from it. And I'm not blaming anybody for that, but like there was no incentives to benefit the area at that time. Like it was, it was just a weird, it was a weird setup because then down the block you got Frontier Field, literally a block away, where nobody says anything bad about Frontier. Oh, it's so great! We go to the Red Wings games, we park right there, no problems. Blah 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 blah. Everybody's doing TikTok video TikTok wasn't even around back then. They were doing TikTok videos like like it was no problems. And then it's it was it was surreal because it's such a thin line between heaven and hell or perceivably it, it was it, the difference was Frontier Field wasn't around residential. It was around Kodak and parking lots where the stadium you saw what underdevelopment in a city means. When they decide to spend $20 million, sorry, $30 million on a stadium rather than $10,000 on siding for houses. Everyone would complain about, oh, there's nothing to do around the stadium. It's like, no, there's plenty to do around the stadium. There's plenty of places to go. You, you just don't want to do it. Yeah. 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 There's never any issues in the area during game day. It's covered in people. And if anything is going to happen, you know when it's not going to happen? is when there's 5000 people around to witness it. Yeah, so re- really I'm I'm like moving out of the downtown stadium. I don't want to absolutely pulverize the dead horse, but that move is is basically to just avoid that conversation completely. And I don't blame them because I I feel like they could accomplish more by not being there. And then inserting themselves back in in a way that will actually do some good. And by that, I mean, if you move out to the suburbs, which is what everybody clamored for, basically, which was the main complaint is we don't want to be we don't want to drive down there. Hopefully you would get that support and then increase that clout to where you actually have some weight to throw around compared to whether you remain downtown, nobody goes, nobody listens to you because uh, you're basically struggling for attendance again. I I feel like the team coming back, the rebrand, 
not going to the downtown stadium made sense. The The issue they would have had without, without the rebrand is everyone would have just assumed, oh, they're the team playing in, quoting everyone, the ghetto. They're not playing in the ghetto, but that creates a negative connotation, which then requires a lot of marketing to get around. So we've tried this for 15 years. Let's stop doing the exact same thing we've been doing forever. Let's try something new. This all makes sense. I do hope that they can, hopefully with a, a permanent stadium, look potentially back downtown in an area that everyone's clamoring for. I mean, there's Parcel 5. It's green space, but who knows how successful that'll be. That might be what people are looking for. What, the stadium at Parcel 5? I have no idea how big Parcel 5 is. So It's not even close, buddy. <laughs> it is barely big enough for 5 aside. So just like Frontier Field, apparently. Which, honestly, would be awesome if they did that. <laughs> Put a, a little five-a-side court on Parcel 5. Yeah. It'll never happen. Well, I thought they were using it for uh, green space, and we can probably cut this out since I apparently don't know anything about what I'm talking about. But uh, Well, no, yeah. I mean, it, it's not. It, it's a good thought train because like, you look at other like MLS teams, like Atlanta and New York City did something similar to this where they – built little five-a-side courts in multiple spots around their cities. And it's a way to promote the sport itself, but it's free to use. You just go down there and use it. Mm -hmm. So it promotes the sport, but then though like the Atlanta United and NYCFC are attached to it. And then the whole idea behind it is basically you get these, you give these kids or even fucking adult shit. I'll go use it. You give these people a space to to play you connect with other people and all this stuff happens under the umbrella of a team and then everybody becomes a fan of that team and it Mm -hmm. becomes synergistic so parcel five is never going to be a five aside court but it would be cool if something like that was placed somewhere in the city you hear that Stu? what that angelic music what is that? One thing in world football. That's right, it's a new bit. For once, we're going to talk about something that isn't the rhinos in what we call one thing in world football. I- I've got one. Let's give it five minutes. So it's, what is one rule in soccer? that you would change today if you could? I would change... Hmm, put me on the spot here. I can tell you mine if if that gives you some time to think about it. No, it won't, because then I'll just listen to your answer and I won't think of mine. Um, <laughs> the the so, rule I would change is I'm not even sure if they give people cards for this anymore. But when you score and you take your shirt off, can you still get carded for that? Yep. I'd change that when you score and you take your shirt off, uh, you can't get a card for that. That's fair. And I want, like, extended NFL-style end zone dances after every goal. That should be a requirement. <laughs> you get a card if you don't dance for uh, yes, 30 seconds? Yes, yes. Yeah, if you don't take your shirt off, you get a card. <laughs> that's what I thought you were originally going to make the rule 
<laughs> so, so mine is, uh, I have two that I really want, but the one I'm going to go with is making time-wasting a red cardable offense. So if, if you're up one goal and it's the 85th minute and you foul someone and then you pick up the ball and run away with it, that, that's a red card. Oh, I, I'm going to change mine. I think that you should automatically get a card when a player goes down and they go reach out and grab the ball so it doesn't get away from them, expecting mm-hmm. a call. And what the ref does now is he just blows the whistle because he has no choice yeah, because you've grabbed the ball. But you should be giving a handball for that. They, they, they're supposed to. But they I don't. They don't do it. They're weak-minded. So uh, the other the other rule that I have now for just throwing out all the rules is if you pick up the ball and run away with it and then drop it 20 yards upfield, that's where the free kick happens now. So you, you don't get to just reset and then be like, well, you got to go 40 yards back. It's like, nope, that's you carried the ball there. That's where that's where it comes from. The other thing I don't understand is like if a team's down and they put one in the keeper just like place keep away with the ball for a second and the ref just stands there like well this is what they do and then it turns into like two six-year-olds fighting over a ball like and i guess that's the same thing as your time wasting thing yeah it's, uh, i don't really understand the rule where if you hit someone in the face that's a card but if you punch them in the chest or push them in the chest that's apparently fine i, I don't understand the rule around that well, your time wasting thing is like what Wenger wants to do, where the clock to stop. He wants don't, to uh, the, the don't halves. connect me with don't don't connect <laughs> me with anything Arson says. He has such terrible ideas. Well, what if he's the manager of uh, <laughs> the Rhinos? <laughs> then we will cut this segment, and we will hope that he never listened to it. <laughs> we'll go back and scrub it. <laughs> now that now that I've said that, make it a sixty minute game. And every time the ball goes out or it stops for injury, the clock stops. And the game would last just as long as what it does now. Well, that's what he wants to do. Okay, that's, he's got one good idea. I'll give him <laughs> one good idea in his list of shit. My, well, my big idea is instead of going to penalty shootouts, what you do is you play extra time quarters just like they are, like a quarter of an hour at a time. You have you have two options, and I'm fine with either one. You could go with after every uh, 15 minute quarter of time, you remove a player from the field until a goal is scored, all the way down to what what, what I would keeper versus keeper, or you just add a ball every 15 minutes so there's multi there's multi ball on the field. See, so I would change that to five minutes, but not for multi ball. That's insane. But for at the next stoppage after five minutes, make it crazy and be like even better. The, 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 the numbers get pulled out of a pot, so it's not even like yes. If your if your goalie gets taken off the field, you could replace the goalie with someone else on the field. But if you get number two taken out, so you, one of your defenders is gone, and they get number ten, so one of their offensive players is gone. Even better would be after ninety minutes and you go into extra time. There's no rules anymore. There's no cards. There's no nothing. It's just melee. So uh, round of 16 tie goes to extra time and suddenly uh, the game ends because uh, seven players are on are, are 
able to play the next game. Yes. If so you don't want to risk it, listen, if you don't want to risk it, you better win in regular time. I was going to say, isn't that how Italy plays most of the time anyway? You shut your goddamn mouth. So th- thanks for listening to our uh, fairly even killed discussion about Lee Tucker, the community, and then our ranting about all the single rules that we would change in world football, which I think turned into seven or eight, one of them being a purge situ- situation. I'm Stu. This has been Mike, and thanks for listening. I thought it was all reasonable. <laughs> oh, shit. We got to do our uh, sponsor. Hold on. Where's the copy? I'm going to just uh, throw it in at the end. Sorry, Garrett. If you drink beer and want your dicks blown off, or your tits blown off, we're for the ladies, too, drink Good Shepherd's beer from Auburn, New York. I drink this stuff literally every day, all day. Water? Get out of here. Gatorade? I drive to Auburn every day to buy this beer, which is actually ruining me both financially and in my personal relationships. But I love it that goddamn much. Buy Good Shepherd's beer. Auburn, New York. Do it. (laughs) Think he's going to like that? Yeah, they're also closed. But that's fine.